either. No, no, because we're a bit too English for that. Very English for that. But Prue and MK have very kindly allowed me, lads. Oh, and me, the Oscar Cat. To do a haters report. <laughs> yes, hey. So this evening we'll be talking about AUs, the glory that is. The alternate universe. Yes, indeed. So I think maybe you ought to start with what is an AU? Define your terms. <laughs> Shall I define what an AU is? Yeah, go for it. Okay, okay. So, well, an alternate universe can be many, many different things. Because it can be, if we're kind of being a complete dick about it, an AU is, any fic is basically an AU because it's not written by the people who make whatever the thing is that the fandom is about. But, so you get close to canon AUs all the way along to... Fandom A's characters are in Fandom B, which we will be talking about in a We will. But basically, it's taking your characters and putting them in a different world. Now, whether the world looks very like, but only slightly different from the world that they would normally be set in, or a completely different time period, or a different world entirely, if we're going to talk about fantasy or alien or whatever. And um, yeah. But it's a good excuse to take the characters and put them somewhere else entirely and play around with what that might Right, yeah. <laughs> Does that work? Well, well summed up, I think. I don't think so. I mean, we've got the, so we've got the close to canon, we've got the canon divergent, mm -hmm. and we've got the in another fandom canon. I suppose you yep. could call it, and the complete are you where they're the characters, but they are in a situation which has nothing to do with the original canon. So, yes. which usually means coffee shop are you? Let's be brutally honest here. <laughs> oh, nope. not that we're bitter. We're just very English, and she doesn't drink hot beverages. <laughs> I don't drink coffee. Oh my god, we fail. <laughs> no, and I like cake. <laughs> I think like, yeah, cake is good. They it's have it. sparkly water, they yeah. have cake. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, AUs, I mean, we've had this conversation many a time about AUs, that, that there are, they can often be a very good jumping off point for people coming into a fandom. That's how you got into SGA, in fact. Yeah, it's all tossful. It's all tossful, as are so many things, I feel. Fandom is basically a deep hole. Is it, not? it is. 
There's plenty of deep bow in, in SEO, that's But I think it's true. I think if you take, especially when you've got a canon which is something like people in space or maybe in a, a genre that you don't usually watch or read or anything, but sometimes an AU can actually make you interested in the characters yeah. and lead you into something you wouldn't normally read. Yeah. And it, yeah. Without having to deal with the mess of yeah. for example. Yeah, because let's face it, didn't we all say we're not going near SGA? Yes, we did. Well, quite a lot of us did. Well, me and Katie did. That's the typical thing of who are these people on my on my list? No, really, I'm not interested in people. Who are these people? And then six months later, thinking like, oh, Jason. <laughs> oh, Jason. Yeah, it's true. I don't care. Anyway, anyway, back to AUs. Oh yeah, AUs. AUs. Well, so yes, they're a very good way to get into fandoms. Although I will say, and we should talk about. The AU to end all AUs, which is the one AU that everyone, no matter what fandom you actually loves, which is Patience the Willing Hand, which of course is Helenish's. <laughs> stop. I wish you could see Katie's face, who's like all swoony on the other side of the monitor. It's very, very bizarre. But I have my hands on my, I have my chin on my hands. She so does, like, she's, she's, I'm swooning. She is. Oh, so, so, which is, a, an, as everyone listening to this will know, is an Inception AU, which is basically Viking. It's the Viking AU, which now... Long before the Vikings the show Long came. before the Vikings the show came. And Katie doesn't read the Inception, really. No. no. Whereas I did. I read a lot in Inception. And I, would, I would think of myself as someone who was in Inception fandom. And to me... Patience a willing hand. Is it, no, it's a steady hand, isn't it? Patience a steady hand. Sorry. <laughs> it's actually the one AU thing that you would never get, I don't think you'd get into the fandom from because it bears no relation to fandom on any level. Which is kind of classic Hellenish, of course, because her dicks usually bear no relation to anything in the canon of anything she's writing about, which usually doesn't matter. Part of her charm. But it doesn't... Well, she gets away with it. She gets away. She's the only person who gets away with it, I think. But, you know, you'd read it and... The characterizations aren't really recognizable in the characterizations, which which are very fanishly based anyway, because the characterizations in Inception the film is are very sketchy to the point of being almost non existent. Yeah. And there's a lot of fanon in Arthur and Eames, who are the two characters she's taken and put yeah. into the fic. There's a lot of fanon in them. There's very little kind of canon characterization to kind of fall back on. So she can get away with it on that. But I think if you went from that fic to reading more canon compliant inception you'd, you'd be shit out of luck mate because you know you'd think uh so i don't know so i think that's the one ex exception in a way although well you and i were talking before that in a way patients of steady hands is it's come from part of a sort of the, the fans fandom journey mm. which is quite typical of a fans fandom journey in you see the thing that they're both in together and you go back and watch maybe some of the stuff you've seen these people in before, you know, or you go and or you go and find the other things that they that, that the actors have been in that you haven't seen. Yeah. And that came from Hesha. Yeah. And I think it was just a picture. There's a, there was a there was a still from Hesha of Joseph Gordon-Levitt with long hair looking really, really unwashed and unkept. And, of course, it was basically, oh, Vikings, which, you know, 
was fair enough, to be quite honest. So you're right. So it was the fan, the fan's journey that brought that about, which I think also is a way which a lot of AUs come about. It's the fan's journey that, you know, and, and how the fan interacts with the fandom online. Because how many AUs have come out of some throwaway comment that someone's made in their live journal or these days on Tumblr or, or wherever? Well, that's where people make comments, which usually tumble these days. But anyway, in the old day, in the old days, it was not a journal. <laughs> that's really sad when you say that, isn't it? Well, that's, and that's how, um, like, um, Nexon Frights came out. Yeah. It, well, again, yeah. due to Hellenish in part, it's not... I think this is one of the ones. <laughs> yeah. And that was just people, a kind kind of being hilarious and ridiculous, and that's now its own magazine, done in a proper like online magazine format. Yeah. Or as well as like I don't know, like a good probably a couple of dozen of like you know fun facts. Yeah, yeah. And has spawned a whole series of tangential, tangential. How come I can pronounce that? <laughs> was it was it tangential? <laughs> yeah. No, it, it was werewolf porn. Yeah, it was werewolf porn. No, it was about so, the neck. Yeah, okay, I remember, yeah. it was about the neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's a kind of a canon divergent AU yeah. rather than a non canon AU. AU. AU? AU. A non canon AU. God, the editing on this could be shit, isn't it? So, <laughs> so, so, but it, that's. Again, you're right, it's exactly what it is. It's taking a throwaway comment or something and then creating a whole thing out of it. And a lot of AU comes from that, I think. How many times have you followed down a whole thread of some sort, especially in live journal, where suddenly this whole fic starts to get written, someone says, I'm going to write this, and they go off and write it because someone's yeah. thrown out an idea, oh, what if so-and-so was, you know, what if they were a librarian? What if... They owned a coffee shop. What if they were a cowboy? What if, you know, they could dance? What if, you know, there's this whole... Well, and one of the things we're getting with Tumblr now is people are doing, like, AU gift sets. Yeah. Again, it's, it's, it's to do with, a it's to do with the journey because there were loads of Inception AU gift sets. Yeah. But of the shows, because you, like, you've, it's not hard, really, to find an actor who's been in something who's been in something else, where they're wearing a suit. <laughs> and they're like, doing things whilst wearing a suit. Well, there you go. Like, you get to, like, clip bits of that, and that that person, you know, like, I've definitely seen uh, Avengers Inception they use. Yep. As gift sets. Because most of those guys have done tons of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in different things, so you can, you can pull them all together and you make an AU. And then, off the back of that, you know, people then start writing... Well, tag fix. If not tag fix, then actually like common fix and stuff like that. Yeah. Usually most of the time these things are filtered down back to my dash. There are already fix there for you to read along with the along with the visual AU, which is, you know, everything's piggybacking on each other, which is really cool. Yeah. I mean that's the thing about Tumblr, it's become a much more visual way to approach yeah. fandom now and to actually kind of like participate in fandom. So and gifts being a huge thing on Tumblr in a way that's bound to happen and people are looking at stuff and and also making canon divergent AUs out of the original text, which is amazing. So they're taking clips from whatever programme or film, putting yeah. different text, putting different interpretations onto it and turning them into a whole different thing, which is amazing. And 
and really creative in a different way than I think when we started out in fandom. It was it was very much text based, very much text based. It, it was fit. That's what you did. You did fit. And now you don't just do fit. I mean, there were some people who did other stuff with it. I mean, I know Zoe Trope did quite a lot of stuff where she did a lot of very visual things with SGA. What was yeah. the one she did? Oh, I can't remember what she did where, where they were flyboys. You know, Second World War, Second World War thing she did where John and Rodney and she had lots of text and it was it was done on a website and and that was a whole oh god yes which I must find I must find the link to that. But yes. so that was an AU and she did it in a really visual, there was text there as well, but she did it in a whole different way. And people have been playing around with it, but not in the level at which they play around with it now and not in such a, an easy way. I mean, one thing that Tumblr as a medium has done is that it makes it much easier to do these things. And people seem to have the technology now. Everyone has the technology now to do, to do GIFs, you know, yeah. and I'm never going to call it a GIF. I'm just putting it out there. It's a GIF. Not a GIF. I don't care what he says. GIF is a type of cleaning solvent. Can we just say that? GIF lemon. So, no, let's not go there. Anyway. <laughs> well, just, oh, yeah. just wind me up and watch me go. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's okay. So, yeah, so we have the visual yeah. AU now. And yeah. I think maybe we should talk a bit about the, the Canon Divergent ones are quite interesting. Because I, I have not, I mean, going through, I was going through a lot of my old bookmarks and stuff and trying to work out and, and looking back on all the AUs, I have a lot of AUs bookmarked, it's got to be said. But looking back, and a lot of the SGA ones, interestingly, were Canon Divergence rather than being in the, there, were, there were some that were taken out of the kind of the Canon context. Although generally, it should be noted that Rodney nearly always was working for the, for the SGA, SGC. Which is, you know, no matter what John was doing, and John could be all sorts of things, but oh, well, Rodney they, well, was nearly always a bloody science, scientist physicist working for the SGC. Oh, yeah, yeah. There have been a number of things where it was it starts off in AU. Yeah. They end up in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, hindsight's like that. Hindsight's like that. <laughs> hindsight's like that. And, um, and a farm in Iowa's like that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, the, the, the domestic AU to end all domestic AU. Absolutely. Bye. <laughs> and he and they end up at Atlanta. I'm sure they end up at Atlanta. They definitely end up. No, they at the do. SGA. Yeah. They end up both at the SGA. No, they, they end up. They end up at Atlanta. Yeah. They do at Atlanta. But that's kind of but interesting to me that that. Yeah, that kind of interests me that. S that's what happens with SGA. It's a really weird kind of thing. No matter how AU the rest of it gets, Rodney's nearly always a physicist. I mean, you know, I can think of very few SGA AUs, no matter how much they're outside of it, where Rodney's not a scientist. It's almost like people can't imagine him. I mean, there's the case one, he's been a chef in a few, I know, that I've read, which makes sense. Almost like Gordon Ramsay, frankly. <laughs> Let's face it. You know, it's like they are, they are you know, quite similar. Yeah. But, but generally, it's, it's, you know, I should think about that. Think of whether I can actually think of any where he's, he's not. They're, they're very few and far between. Let's say no matter what John is. Although yeah. John generally, he's, he's, he's something like, he, he's, John could be anything. He's been like, what, honky-tonk singer. He's been a, has he been a dance instructor? He's been a chef. He's been an FBI agent. He's been, a, you know, a marine biologist. Is he a marine biologist? Wide open ocean. 
with, unless it take your take your fandom to work. It's another thing we need to talk about. Yes, but you know, it's kind of interesting with SGA that the AUs tend to circle back round to the original canon. <laughs> Whereas there are others, like Inception, has a lot of AUs. Oh my god, I'm looking down. I have so many AUs bookmarked for Inception, where they bear no, you know, they it's the characters, and all the characters are in usually. And often yeah. there are things that have happened in the camp, like Mal dying and Dom's whole man pain bollocks comes into yeah. it. But the other people, the main pairings, which is usually it's usually Ian's Arthur, gotta be said, they are they aren't anything to do with what they are in canon. Although often Ian's is actually a criminal, <laughs> or sometimes Arthur's a criminal. So they have the kind of the criminal tendencies, but the whole dreamscape and the, the dream thing is just not. It's not there. So no matter what they're doing, whether they run a coffee shop, <laughs> it's never going to go away. Is it? When they're in a coffee shop, <laughs> it's there forever. It's there for everyone. Every fandom has a bloody coffee shop. Until the world has free Wi-Fi everywhere, a <laughs> yes. coffee shop with you will yeah. always exist. That's exactly it. Until there is just like Wi-Fi across the world. Yeah, no. Good point. Good point. Hadn't thought of that. But I think, particularly with Inception, that makes sense because the film is so. It coming. The film gives you this idea of dreamscape, mm. but then, but then, what happens is so specific to that story that you get a better, you get an idea of maybe what it might be like, have been like in the past when they did it, and what it might be like in the future if they carry on doing it. Yeah. But it's so set for that one particular story. And the two characters that everybody kind of glomped on, Arthur and Eames, uh, as you say, they're kind of sketches. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot there, because they don't have the man pain. So, <laughs> but they're more interesting. And, you know, and it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Tom Hardy. Like, yeah. if they're really, really easy on the eye, it's not a problem. No, no, exactly. And, and just, you know, and... and ridiculously talented and so um it's fun to watch them in other things and and i think going right back to patients with steady hat the reason that works even though the characters aren't particularly canony is because you've seen the actors in other things and that far into the fandom you will have seen the actors in other things yeah unless you were in a, like, i don't know a completely different fandom and you never saw any of this stuff and you never were involved in any of the other stuff that they've been in. Like, it's not likely, they're pretty, they're everywhere. You will have seen something else by them. So you can kind of read the fic and imagine them doing these things. They don't have to be like, I hadn't seen Inception when I read that fic. Right. And when I did see Inception, I didn't like it. No, I know you didn't like it very much, dear. We know, but you know what I mean? So in the end, and, and what's interesting, ooh, ooh, what's interesting <laughs> is, because I've just thought of another prick that we need to wreck, and this is this is going back a long time, because, you know, you and, cause you and I are old school, bless us. No, we just but, old love, I think. <laughs> but you end up in that, you can end up in that situation with a good AU, where when you actually go back to the canon, if you haven't seen it, that feels like an AU of the thing that you just watched. Yeah. No, I think it's really bizarrely true. Which takes me, which takes me to Void. Oh, <laughs> God, Void. Which, which I swear, I swear, God, what's that phone call? Faculty. 
faculty. The faculty. The faculty is basically mm. a horror. It, it's like a kind of horror. Oh, imagine what it would be like if aliens landed in the void universe. Yes. And I actually had seen the faculty before I read Void, but Void is so immersive and and so kind of just drags you by the hair <laughs> into this world that the film pales in comparison. It, yeah, it does. As much as I love the film. Love, love, love. Oh, sorry, Wax. You probably worked very hard to, to move beyond Void, and now I'm just but there are big no. people that have never no. read Void, that, you know, that have probably never seen The Faculty, quite frankly. And I would say, see The Faculty, read Void, because, you know, both of those are fulfilling fandom experiences, I feel. The Faculty is a great film, and it's got Josh Hartnett running around like a gazelle. Runs like a gazelle. <laughs> Josh Hartnett, please be in some good films I again. Know. What the fuck? Seriously, please. Ugh. I know. Anyway. We should make something else like uh, Lucky Number Eleven, which ha which people should see. I'm going to say this because with the whole elementary thing, okay, complete tangent, tangent, tangent. But people should watch Lucky Number Eleven because it's yep. got Lucy Liu being mm -hmm. fab, Josh Hartnett being adorable and wearing knitwear. Oh my god! It's made by <laughs> the director is what's his face who did directed Sherlock. Yes. What's his name? Uh, oh, Lord, oh, what's his name? Oh, you know, but anyway, people will know who directs the show. And so the set dressing and the way everything kind of looks, it, when you see show, it, you know, he did all the wallpaper stuff and all the, um, you know, everything. It's really, you can see really where, when they started to make Sherlock and I knew it was him, it was like, oh, great, it's going to look like, you know, Lucky Number yeah. 11, fantastic. And it did, it does. It kind of has that kind of thing about it. But it also, Lucky Number 11 also has... Maguire. Maguire McGinnis. Something like that. Look something. Yeah, I can't remember. Anyway. <laughs> it's a look. No, it is, it is. It'll come to us. But it also has Ben Kingsley being scary as all hell and uh, <gasps> Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman being also awesome sort. Hmm? Also being fucking scary. Yeah, me. great. I mean, it's a really. And Bruce. It's got Bruce fucking <laughs> Willis. People should watch it. Seriously, it's a really great film. People should watch it. I recommend it entirely. Sorry, that's my little best thing Josh Hartnett ever did. And Lucy Lou's adorable in it, and you should go and watch it. So anyway, so please turn that we can cut this bit out. I don't care, but I think we should leave it in going, just what bloody... Anyway. We should totally leave it in because it's a massively underrated film. It's and massively if you like underrated. Sherlock, if you, and, and, if you, and if you like elementary, yes. then you should totally fucking watch the film because yes. it's... Because it ties it all together, it does. but not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it bears no relation to it. So if you hate or love either of those shows, don't worry. It's a whole different thing. <laughs> and, okay, it has Bruce Willis. You can call that a good thing or a bad thing, it's depending on who you are. Yeah. If anyone... Paul McGinnon, I think. Definitely Paul. Yeah, it's Def Paul something. In something. It's all right. Let's, let's not bother because he's... You know, IMDb, what? it's fine. Exactly, you know. exactly, as my mother would say. Right. I completely lost track where we were. Oh, yes, we were talking about Void. And we were talking about how you can circle around and how some fix define a fandom yeah. or characterizations that weren't there in the first place. And I think part of the thing about Inception was the character, the characters of Arthur and Eve in the film were so sketchy that they're the type of, they're pretty boys with no truly definable personalities, but enough, of, enough shown of them where fandom's gone, yes, we want to do something this 
pretty boys, fantastic, they're snarky, there's a thing going on, let's make something of it. And the whole fandom went off from there. And so it was a perfect thing to make our use from. And also the other problem with Inception as far as writing canon compliance stuff, and this is a conversation I've had with Prue on numerous occasions, was that it's really, really bloody hard to write caper thick. Yeah. And it takes a huge amount of skill and, you know, and it's difficult and plotting and, you know, a lot of people would much rather do a nice bit about some, you know, Arthur being a lawyer and cracking up and going into a coffee shop and he's being owning a coffee shop. Because it's I'm never going to stop being bitter about coffee shop I use. I'm like, oh my god. Maybe a bit round. Everything we talk about. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't. I don't actually dislike them intensely as much as it sounds like I do. No, no. It's just. It's just. There's so fucking many of them. It's just like for God's sake, people. There are other things you can write about. It doesn't have to be a coffee shop. <sighs> greasy spoon. Greasy spoon. Greasy spoon. Yes. Why can't it be a greasy spoon? Eames would definitely own the He would definitely own the... In fact, I bet there's a bloody fix somewhere where Eames owns a fucking British greasy spoon calf on the M6. <laughs> and if there's not, there should, there should be. be. Anyway, anyway. So my ranting should bring us round to the, t- the AUs that pop up constantly. The coffee shop AU. The probably. coffee shop AU, for example. That is true. The police AU. There's often a lot of things where people, one or other is a policeman, whether undercover whether or whatever. That comes up an awful lot. Basically make your fandom into a procedural show. Make your fandom, yeah, make your fandom into a procedural show. It's not a bad thing. It's weird because that's almost become a trope. I mean, that basically has become a trope. Yeah, it is a trope. And, and, and yeah, and these are essentially trope AU. Yeah, which is nothing wrong with trope AU. God, no. There's nothing wrong with trope AU. Probably you're going to then slide gently into fandoms that have become AUs, like Harry Potter, for example. Harry Potter has become an AU itself, whereas now you can read a lot of other fans where someone will be, it's the ultimate, what house would they have been sorted into? You know, which you, you ask about characters, if you think about characters in any way and, and are fortunate enough, as I am, to have a friend who is happy to ramble on at great and ridiculous length about such things as, oh, what house, what house would Derek Hale be sorted into? He's a Hufflepuff. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> Go Badgers! I'm very, very proud that he's a Hufflepuff. It makes me very happy. It makes me far happier than it actually really should. But, yes, it certainly yeah. but that's only my opinion, because I'm sure people will disagree, but he's a Hufflepuff. No, he's Suck a Hufflepuff. It up. He just is. He really he is. Bless them. Oh. I think I think that's also because I mean obviously there's a whole big section of fandom who grew up with the Harry Potter books. Yeah. Even loads of grown ups of us who you know because Harry Potter as a fandom was completely massive and because the world yeah. is so immersive and has very few AUs. I'm just going to throw this out there as someone who have re- has read vast amounts of Harry Potter in my time. Yeah. I was looking through and looking, but. Harry Potter is, and I found one in my friend's thing. One. Well, which, just... which is a fucking coffee shop thing. No. Yes, no, it is. There's Parliament stuff. Yes. But they're still wizards. It is AU, but it's they're still wizards. So yes. it's not a completely no. AU-AU. That's a canon divergent in a way. AU, yes. I would say, rather than being a... What would you call them? Rather than a kind of... I 
Oh, we need a term. We do no. need a term. Let's let's think on. I'm sure it'll come up with something. But we do because yes. you know. Anyway, so yes, yeah, so there are. So I was going to actually wreck a Harry Potter po politics AU, and you yes. bet you know which one it's going to be because everyone's read it anyway. But I'm going to say so. Like Corridors of Power by Blythely, which is a fantastic political AU where Harry is a politician, and it's well. It's and Draco's Draco's in the House of Lords. Yes. Records in the House of Lords, absolutely, and it is fantastic, and Later. and it ma and it makes sense, and it's written by someone who actually has some understanding about British politics. Thank God. So it's great; it's a really great story, and but that's one of the few that you'll find, and, and there's still wizards in it. So it's kind of interesting that you know they haven't lost the wizarding side, whereas the only HPAU I could I could find, which were was it black coffee on a Lonely Night by Femme, which is where Draco had been a cricketer or something and been married with a child and his wife dies in a car crash and he ends up coming back to England. His father's in, the, in politics and Harry's a politician. And Draco ends up opening a coffee shop next to Parliament. I know, it's, it's rather charming. It's rather charming. But they're not, there's no magic involved. And that's the only... But it's a coffee shop, AU, where Harry comes into the coffee shop. So it's a coffee shop, AU. He all comes back to fucking coffee. God's sake. But anyway, but that's one of the few true kind of AUs that are non that are nothing like canon, just the, the characters that I could find in HP, which is, you know, maybe it's because the, the world is so, the HP world is so. Why would you want to do an AU of HP in a way where it's, where they're not magic or whether that's not there? Why? Yeah. You know, I don't, I personally prefer. I prefer my AUs, my HPAUs, to be magical if they existed, frankly. I think that world is so seductive that yeah. there's no need to turn your back. Well, there just there hasn't seemed to have felt to be a need to turn your back on it. No. Because no. you lose so much. Which, in a weird way, you don't. <laughs> I was going to say, it's in a weird way, you don't get that with Team World. But I don't think Team World has the world building. Do you not? Do you not say? Did you not think it has the world building? <laughs> Although no. I've got to say, I much prefer the ones where they are werewolves. Still, I prefer those AUs. You don't like human AUs. I don't dislike them, but I kind of I was there's a slight hint of disappointment. Slight hint of disappointment if they're if they're human, because I want the werewolves. And for someone who actually doesn't fucking like werewolves in any way, I don't. Well, you know, apart from Oz, who doesn't love Oz, let's face it, let's go there. He was always the first. <sighs> he was the first werewolf. Oh, werewolf, I ever loved. You know, so, you know, but generally they've never done it for me. But, you know, but I'd much rather an AU where they are still wolves. It's, I just think, I just find it more interesting. I think you're making the face. Not always, though, because some... I don't know, I know, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I don't mind them all being human. Uh, and actually, I could think of, like, Cheeseburger Baby, they're all humans. Which one? Cheeseburger Baby. No, they're not. They are. Are they? Pretty sure they are. Yeah, they are. They are. They're just all firefighters. They're not yes. werewolves. Yeah, they're not werewolves, yeah. Okay, not, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I know you're not saying. I know you're not saying no, that there aren't any good ones. No, no, there are. You know, in fact, yeah, the AUs absolutely. generally tend to be best because the show's so shit. Let's be brutally honest here. And we say this completely neck deep in this fandom. I know, which I, I, I will say, I, yeah, 
It's true. So anyway, so okay, let's jump. And now I've publicly owned up to it. Oh my god, I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed. It was so funny because I was like, came up, you were like, if someone's offended me, and I was like, go on then, send me some words, and you did, and they were good, and it wasn't on. But you know, yeah. but I didn't have a fandom, and I was, I've been, fa- fa- my fandom has had no rudder for a while, and it's been very, very depressing, really. And it's nice to have a fandom to cling to as a life raft in the choppy seas of my life. Yeah, as my metaphor getting completely out of hand. Yes, and it's totally and it's totally fun to have like to be in the same fandom. Although I mean, you and I, well, we can't be in. It's why we can't be in. SGA. Um, SGA was the last one I think we're in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, and then you got me into Inception. A bit, although you not, you've never really... Just kind of, yeah. like, I guess I was in Inception the same way I was in HP. I was reading the good pick, but I wasn't, like, yeah. up to my neck in it. Yeah, and HP, I was up to my neck in it. You, you know, I loved HP. I loved HP. And HP, okay, circling back around, HP, yeah. it's the AU that every, you know, there's an HP AU. It's almost way it's a fandom rite of passage that at some point you're going to get I'm waiting for the HP crossover, yeah. waiting for it. And crossovers as well. At which point does a crossover become an AU rather than just a crossover? See, I think that it's an AU, not a crossover, if the characters who are in, uh, so for example, in like a Team World HP AU, I would expect maybe to meet some HP characters, mm-hmm. but only maybe in the background they yep. are not the story. Mm. Yep. <clears throat> that was they're still in the world, but they're not... They're not necessarily talking to our characters particularly. They're not interacting with them. They're not on no. whatever the adventure yeah. or the story is about. It's yeah. not about them. It's about the human. Or the HP characters might not even be mentioned. Or they might not be mentioned at all. But, but the, the world is obviously rec- recognisably... Places or... Yeah. Is places that make sense within that world. Which I is like say. that... That fic I was telling you about, which was uh, Such Things Don't Bear Repeated, which is by Alizone, Alizane, I think she's called, and it's quite a new Hi. one, is an HP Team Wolf fic. Yeah. Where I think there's a vague, there are some references to Voldemort and the, yeah. the war, but it's set in America, but it's an obviously, it's obviously an HP world. You can tell, you know, although set in America and with different people, where and which is actually very good and I think very well done. And it's a dark fic as well, pretty dark fic, and and it's and it's interesting. She's got to create an interesting set of characters, taking taking characters from the the show and made them more interesting than they are in the show in a lot of ways. You know, in a, in a different way, and actually taking parts of their personalities and kind of expanding, especially Styles, who's pretty fucked up in this story. And quite sociopathic in a lot of ways, I think, in this story. Which is, and it's and it's really interesting. So it's an AU that for me really worked because it's taken the, this idea of magic and of the house system in a school and in those ways and created something new and kind of interesting with it. So it's worth it's worth a read, I think. And you know, and HP, doing it like that, I think works really well. The other kind of HP one, which I really like is there's an SPN HP story where they do end up at Hogwarts, Old Country, which is Astolat. Astolat, which is is very funny and quirky and where, you know, where Sam and Dean, because we haven't talked about, actually, the thing we haven't talked about is 
SPN, which is another fund we were both in. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But in the early days. In the early days before we went, oh my God, I'm not watching this shit anymore. I worked this out. I worked a jump ship at the end of season three. Same here, means, pretty much. Yeah, which means I missed Castiel by like two episodes, which is great because I think if, if, I think if I'd still actually been part of the fandom when Cass arrived, I would still be there. Well, I, did, I, I don't feel like I've dodged a book. I did, yeah, I did watch to the end of season four. So I did have Hellcatch and, and then just went, no, I can't do this. No, 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 no. Just no. I... Even the angel didn't bring you back. The angel, no, sorry. But anyway, but, anyway, but Old Country, which most, a lot of people have read, is a very good where Sam, Sam's obviously gets really into the magic. It's set around the time when Dean has got his year because he's sold his soul. So mm-hmm. it's it's set during that year, and they end up at Hogwarts, and it's incredibly charming. Now, the only thing, caveat, I will say to my recommendation of that story is that it ends up with Wincest, and as some, I don't have any. Okay, this sounds terrible. I don't have any moral objections <laughs> to Wincest. Fictional with fictional brothers fictional getting brother. it. No, I don't. I don't. It doesn't bother me. That's why I'm saying fictional brothers yeah. getting it on. Yeah, but as anyone who has ever met me in the Fanage way will know, I'm a great lover of the gen. Yes. A great, huge, stupid lover of the gen. And it's okay. We will, we will, we will convince one, her to do a gen episode with somebody. Yeah. He's just... One day, someone do the slash, slash report. It's a bit of a, that oxymoron, slash report about gen. <laughs> no, there is no slash involved here. Anyway. But... <laughs> ah, but, it, but it was this fantastically rollicking gen extravaganda until about... I don't know, about two-thirds of the way around, when I think she was kind of doing that thing where it's all oh, these bits are kind of very, into, you know, very close, oh, it's all very kind of like vaguely hinted. And I could, that's fine. And then suddenly it turned into full-blown wins. And I was just like, oh, fuck off. I was really annoyed by it. But still finished reading it and still loved the story despite the fact that I was irritated that it turned into it. And it's fine. It, I know it's a lot of people saying and a lot of people love the fact that, you know, that it ended up being Wincest and whoopee-doo for you. I, you know, personally, I preferred if it hadn't been simply because I do love me a bit of Jen. So that would be my one kind of caveat about that story, although I would still heartily recommend it mm-hmm. because it's a great story. And it's Astolat who writes really well and loves both of the canons and you can really tell that and has put loads into it so yeah it's really cool and it's a very much a hufflepuff represent story katie so read it go badgers go badgers this of course brings us on to the fan film which is an au it's a it's a close to canon yeah. au yeah and it wouldn't exist if it wasn't an au mm. no nope. i can't what it's called which is it's really hard to talk about i can't remember it's called i could look it up um, it's the, it's the, I will, I will put a link into the show notes. If you haven't seen it, you really need to. It's an entire SPN episode. And it's superb. It's really, really good. But it's, which is great. But it's Genesis, but it couldn't it's exist. It's the other side. There you go. It's called the other side. And it's oh, great. Oh, the joy of Google. Yay. Yeah. yeah and it's superb. It's really, really, really well found. Yeah. And, and, Dean and Sam get turned into girls by um, by a dragon. As you do. There you go. And it was made by fans. Which is fantastic. And, and another way that fandom has gone for it and made an AU in a really interesting and 
really very, I don't know, complex way. I mean, making a film is it's not, you know, you don't just sit there and make a few gifts. That's really, really putting yourself out for it. And it shows a lot of love for the, the show, a lot of love yes. for the show, because people yes. do still love it. Yeah, because yeah, it's written in a way that's compliant to the show. It feels like an episode of the show. You know? yeah. I mean, it had, you know, they, they, they do a huge amount with the budget that they have, which is obviously not very big, but they do a lot with it. Yeah. And do a lot with essentially vidding skills. Yeah. You know, so they managed to weave the show into their new footage and their new footage into the show in a way that just works really, really well. Amy's are everywhere, people. It's fabulous. They are everywhere. They are everywhere. <laughs> I know what I was going to say, because I, I don't think I've already said this. But I think one of the reasons that um, some fans, well, some fandoms lend themselves to them being brought back as a youth, like HP. Um, and I think it's a good way for people to kind of revisit fandoms that they've loved. Yeah. You get to read old fic, but sometimes you want new stuff and you want it to be about the pairing that you're completely deaf with, you know, that is your OTP at that time but you might want to read it in in that kind you know in a previous yeah. fandom verse yeah no i think that's really true but i think what's interesting about i guess one of the big brand new kind of au world that people are starting to play with pacific rim yeah is that seems to bypass being a fandom and it's, <laughs> it's just an au yeah i mean this is the flash report and they were basically like mm. I don't think, I don't, there aren't really stories to tell within the fandom as far as they, I don't think we like it that much, but like, and I haven't seen the film. So, you know, what do I know? But everything I've seen on my dash and that is like, yeah, but you could take your pairing and you could put them in a giant robot and fight monsters and they would have a mind melt and they would bond. And yeah, it's just lending itself to being an AU. Yeah, which is really interesting and also very a lot that's been done visually in the same way with GIFs and with images rather than just fic. I mean, in fact, I, I don't know how much fic there is already that are AUs of that, but I've seen a lot of the visual stuff, a lot of the visual stuff on Tumblr. Yeah. So it's, you think, well, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Like you say, there's no real fandom. I mean, I'm sure there is a fandom, but not in a, in a way that most stuff which gets taken on as an AU like HP, normally it's a big fandom that then becomes like you say, everyone kind of harks back to you. And, and I think that's a really good point you just made about HP, that it's, it's a fan that if you were in it, you loved it. And the world was so rich and so interesting and immersive. You still want to relive it in some way. And you're right, and you've got a new fandom and, and you sit around and you go, oh, what house were they in? And then some sparks spark goes, oh God, that'd be a fantastic crossover. Wouldn't it be great if they were at Hogwarts? And then everyone's at Hogwarts, yay. And there are a lot, lot of, and why not, I say? Yeah, but Pacific Rim, I think we're going to see more and more, more and more of that, and probably more and more of it written as well. I'm sure a lot of stuff will get written because it's still very new and there's not been a lot of time. I mean, as fast as people do write stuff, and it always amazes me how quick some people write. Oh my god, you know, yeah. that fic will come up really speedily after a piece of product comes out. And yeah. but this this whole thing with the kind of like the, the visual stuff has come out much faster than I kind of expected for that, really. And it has become a very visually exciting AU playground. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it has that kind of, it has that, the beauty of sort of that classic dark, <clears throat> uh, sort of cyberpunky, mm. sort of sci fi 
to the point where, you know, like you can happily, I think, as somebody who hasn't seen the film and is not going to get to see the film until it comes out on DVD. But yeah, um, I haven't seen it and I'm still like happily playing in other people's AUs because they just look yeah. really cool. Yeah, because the great thing about AUs is they, they, it's almost like a sandpit that anyone can join in on, even if you don't know the, even if you don't know the canon, if you haven't seen the film. Well, or I say read the book Rim. or done whatever. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about Pacific Rim is it's a proper kind of back of a fag packet, you know, you know what I mean? It, the, the concept of it, you yeah. really could get down in minimum words. Yeah. Giant robots. Mind melt pairing giant monsters in the ocean you have to fight. Yeah. What's not to love? What's not to love? So it's like you literally kind of slot in your pairing of choice. Or you're not pairing of choice. The first one I saw was a Team Wolf one. It was Scott who had obviously, like, previously been paired up with Styles. And now they weren't paired up with Styles. We don't know what happened to Styles. Very short, it was just a little, you know, some of the things were brilliant. And was now being paired up with Peter and was entering Peter's mind. So going off from that, so I so I was going to say about how I think one of the things about AUs, what's nice about AUs is you can kind of read ones that to suit your mood. Yeah. Like the, the beyond the canon of the show. So I don't know, if you're feeling rude or whatever, you can read which can be kind of like canon compliant or whatever, but yeah. could be like not at all, or could be like way in the future. Yeah. And gets to be like most kids' are not really very realistic. <laughs> says, the mother, not... says the mother of three. <laughs> they're lovely because they're not realistic. Yeah, no, exactly. Because I think the most realistic, the most realistic one that was kind of actually quite scary to read, I read it before I had kids, is. Speranza's um, Due South fic, where they like adopt six children. Was it with six you get egg roll? Yes! Which is like, not cute. I no, mean, it it's is. fantastic because it's not cute. It's amazing, it's, it's amazing, but it's not mm-hmm. cute. And it's kind of about the insanity of, like, I mean, with that, it's like the insanity of a large family, but also the insanity of a large family of, like, older adopted children. Yeah. You know, and, like, trying to trying to have some kind of unity out of that which is not easy yeah i mean it's hard enough when it's non-adoptive younger children to have some form of unity but there's a whole other line of problems which make for dramatic tension in the story yeah and we really bring out interesting stuff in the characters yeah Yeah, no exactly with stuff and who you know you can't who are the pushovers who aren't and that's yeah yeah now there's another there's another fandom that I can't think of many. Can you think of any AUs in Juice South? What what is it? I mean, it does beg question. What is it about a fandom that means you end up with lots of AUs and fandoms that mean you don't get so many AUs? What is it? I don't know. It's an interesting thing. Why why certain fandoms? I mean, there are fandoms like Inception where it's obvious why to me because the canon's so difficult to write in. Yeah. And flimsy in a way and the characterization is so flimsy and not very big i mean inception yeah. is a it's a film it's one film you're never going to get anything else that's it it was very big fandom for a single film yeah yeah i think it's because it was really most not completely our themes but they were certainly the dominant pairing <laughs> yeah but 
both actors had done lots of other interesting things. Yeah. And so you had, the scope suddenly became a lot bigger, but it only became a lot bigger because you needed to do some sort of AU. You needed to take it out of that single story, which is, you know, which is really only a matter of weeks when you're talking in the dreamscape or if you're talking in the real world. Yeah. It's that one job and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, the way to me, that, that, that's an obvious reason for AU. I think it's yeah. only SGA, which is another very AU heavy, when you'd think, considering the world, no matter how, no matter how you feel about SGA as, as a piece of product, you know, yeah. the show itself, and, you know, and I still love the first couple of seasons. I mean, there, there was some duff episode, but generally I, I can rewatch it quite happily, and it makes me happy. It went completely tits up as it progressed, let's face it. But there, for every se season, there was at least one or two episodes which made you think, God, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And a lot where you wanted to stab the people who made it to death with a rusty spork. It's, you know, in a, in a fandom where the original text or the original canon was quite rich in a lot there was a lot of stuff in it to get lots of AUs out of that in fact to be very very heavy on the AU in a lot of ways you know yeah. not, not obviously they weren't the biggest part of the fandom but they were they were a real solid chunk lots of people did them it seems really kind of <clears throat> do you think it's people making AUs to try and make something better than the original show I mean that's what most fanfic especially yeah. SGA fanfic was is saying you know you've given this world to play and we can do it so much better than you did because you're crap you know so much of sg8 was that but it seemed to then spawn i think because people got very very attached to the characters maybe that was what maybe it's about characters maybe it's about i don't know because i don't i don't quite i think what i think with sg8 was so was such a massive fandom yeah and i think yeah in some ways when you've got such a massive fandom Especially in hiatuses and things like that, where you've got a bit of space and you're not really, or you're not wanting to have to deal with canon. Yeah. You don't want to have to deal with, like, the next thing that's coming up, or really, you know, especially like SGA did paint themselves into a few corners. Yeah. Um, and then just sort of went, hand wavy, no, it's fine. And started, like, we'll just scream across the room and we'll go from there. It'll be fine. Um, so I think people started using. You know, people started using AUs because it was a way of, like, here is my own bit of the world. This is my own little version of them. Yeah. I don't have to do it in space or whatever. I can do it in London. No, I think that's true. I think it's... John can run a junk shop. Oh, junk cheap. Oh, bless. God, our reckless is going to be chuffing massive. Bless. I can't mention all these fics. And, like, they're not actually like linked to them well, we i mean a lot of people i mean a lot of people have read them yeah fair. i know but we should put links up there oh anyway. no no we will do but i'm just yeah i just want and you know the thing is is like especially with sjs but there was such a comfort in reading you know weird freaky john shepherd you know and uptight bizarro rodney mckay in whatever situation anyone would feel like putting them in and because the characters were so bonkers really yeah. that it was great and you could do virtually anything you wanted with them and i think that the sga fandom anyway is a prime example of a fandom going "Ooh, we can do anything we want and then bloody doing it and yeah. you know to the point like say where they wrote loads and loads of fantastic au's which are just like completely out of their field and bizarro 
and threw everyone in. You know, you know, every character they could throw in, they threw in. It's, and you know, and they they were great. I loved, I love SGA AU. Yeah. You know. Oh, I miss SGA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a fandom that, that which the canon broke my heart. It was shit. Yeah. yeah it was so bad. <laughs> I wonder if part of the thing with SGA was that the, the the main pairing was slightly older. Yeah, I like that. Hell yeah, it was Hell great. Yeah. But it gave you, in a way, I think it feels like it gives you more options because you feel like you've got more sort of life to play with. It's weird being in my mid thirties <laughs> and being in a fandom full of characters who are supposed to be seventeen. We're all about 25, but they're all supposed to be yeah, 60, it's really weird. And for someone who, I mean, the other AU trope we haven't talked about is the high school. Yeah. Which I generally don't read, yeah. mainly because of that. Because I'm just thinking, ugh, you know, because you're all teenagers and I'm too old. And I, I was, you know, and I was very, I was quite screwed up when I was in my teens. And these people are just as bad. And I don't know. And, and also because I didn't go to an American high school. Obviously, I went to a nice girls' comprehensive school in London, which is a whole different kettle of fish, believe me. So is I have this total kind of disconnect of I don't understand this at all, which you know is fine. There's other things I do read where I, I'm not in that world, but there's something about it which I don't it doesn't. It's never really appealed hugely. Whereas college AUs give me them. Professor students so much don't like that. Don't like that. But you know professors and professors or professors and librarians. Yeah. <laughs> librarian they use for the win says the librarian librarian they use for the win I love librarian I know I know which is also the other thing of course what we haven't I mean we're going a bit out of left field but, but the bring your fandom to work yeah which is a whole other bit of fandom where someone who works in a particular area and writes a story bringing in their knowledge of their work yeah. Or their study. I mean, the first one of that I really read, I think, was Wide Open Ocean. Satisma? It was Satisma, wasn't it? Who wrote a kind of like, her whole thing was like marine biology. Yeah. And she had a lot of knowledge of that. And she actually said in her author's notes, so I just re-looked at it again recently, thinking about this. And you could really tell someone who loved, who loved it and who had knowledge of it. And, you know, so reading something where someone is obviously really interested or has a great deal of knowledge of a particular area and a particular work type, and has made her characters in her profession, or in his profession, although he is usually women, let's face it, is really fascinating to me, because you like you learn... I sometimes feel, I'm sometimes reading a story that's an AU, and it's set in a particular world, and I'm thinking, God, I'm learning so much shit here, about how this, how this business, how this profession actually functions, how this thing completely outside of my experience works. And that's another really good thing about AUs is that you people bring their own expertise about stuff and give you something which leads to a bit, you know, you learning something different, which I, I love that as well. I think it's a really great thing about AUs. From a writing point of view, writing about bringing your fandom to work works really well because yeah. you have all the details because you've immersed yourself in that world. And as somebody who, like, really finds writing, like, in pulling tea, writing about something that, you know, you have, in, literally, you have intimate knowledge of. So that's not wrong. That's not rude. Um, 
cycling. With a, with a world that you completely about different types of coffee from fucking fan fiction and I hate the stuff I don't drink it can't stand it and I know so much about what type of thing you would ask for in a bloody coffee shop I you know and it's and it's just bizarre to me it's just bizarre yeah but no but it is but it's I think that would take it I mean it's not just where you work it's also something that you're passionate about yeah you know so if you have a fact like I'm gonna say it, like cycling which I should say, every single year, we, if we're in a fandom, Katie and I have the same conversation. Ooh, it's the grand tour season. You know, this fandom we're in, it's a cycling AU. Road cycling. So the, the people, the characters in the fandom that we're actually interested in at the time become cyclists. This happens every single bloody year. And it's always hugely entertaining to us. It is never, ever going to get written. It's never get written, but it's a great thing. I mean, that, you know, you don't have to write it. You can have AU conversations all the time. It's the, the HP sorting. You don't have to write it, but you'll no. sit and sort. You'll sort your fandom favourites. Yep. It's the same and you thing. know in your heart of hearts that Derek Hill is a fan. <laughs> yes. He is. He is. I'm sure anyone that listens to this is saying that is going to go, you're just off your trolleys. No, troll. She just is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He is, and I'll fight you for it. I'm scary. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. So the bring your fandom to work thing is a really great way of actually creating fandom works which have a depth to them. Yeah, because you care about the characters. I mean, if you, yeah. you know, once you're, you know, that's the point. Once you kind of got a handle on the characters, and once you've kind of immersed yourself, then... To be honest, it's just—it's a really good way of pouring out your feels without having to worry about yeah. if it's going to get just. I mean, in a sense, maybe you shouldn't—we shouldn't worry about being just because if, if you are just by something, it's just the name you. Well, that's another. Yeah, that's the other. I mean, I was thinking about Jossin as well. You know, how many fix which now people might read really go, oh, it's his AU. Thinking, no, it's not. It wasn't when they wrote it. It just got just to Helen back. You know, yeah. which there are a lot of fandoms where that's going to happen. You know, and there are some people I know who write, who actually say, right, so well, I stopped writing that story because I got jobbed and I stopped writing it. And I'm, I was saying, oh, I'm really sad now. I'm really yeah. sad now because it was a good story, but I understand. But some people don't, I don't know, some people can't continue to write once something becomes AU for them. Which is a problem that a lot of HP had, of course, because HP, just like every single bloody book, you got jobs. Every yeah. single bloody book. You know, to the point where there are some fandoms who basically have chose to ignore certain things completely. No, he didn't die. The whole Marauders things, you know, like the Remus Sirius shippers, I think, had a real hard time, obviously, with Order of the Phoenix, understandably. And because so much of that became instantly AU. You know, they are not going to live into their old age love. Sorry. You know. And then, then of course, HP is a perfect example where you'd get HP fix fests and then you'd have like a, it'd either be epilogue compliant or epilogue non-compliant. 
do you choose to ignore the epilogue or not? So. Yes. Yes, you do. Well, no, but there's a lot of. People that too many good people died. Yeah. Well, no, but the epilogue, <laughs> which, you know, brought in all the kids and all that yeah. stuff. And it's like, you know, there are people who then wrote think about the kids, about the next generation down, next gen kind of stuff, yeah. which is, you know, some of which is actually very good. Yeah. But there's a whole, but there was a lot, a lot of writers who decided that, nope, the epilogue never happened and just chose to ignore it, which is fair enough, you know, especially Harry Draco's influence, which is fair enough. But, you know, but you create, you can create, you can see how certain kind of AU tropes yeah. or AU kind of like themes came up when you're in a fandom, which is an evolving fandom, evolving fandom. At some point, you're going to get, you're going to get jobs. Something's going to happen, which completely throws out your whole the thing in your head about the show or about the book series or whatever. Yeah. And what do you do about that? Do you pack up and move on or do you just decide that you're just going to write AUs from now on. They're safe. A, you're right, AUs are safe. You know, and, and the kind of non-canon AUs, where they're in a whole different situation, are fantastically safe, because you're never going to be Joss. You know, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, because they're nothing. They're not in the show anyway. <laughs> they're not in the film. They're not in the book. It doesn't yeah. matter. So, I think that the whole kind of... I think there was a shift after the Avengers with the whole Coulson thing. Oh, where, yeah. Which is definitely seeing in team at the moment. Where there's that kind of like, actually, it sort of becomes more legitimate to kind of go, yeah, okay, this character has been killed off in the show, but I don't want them to be Yeah. I don't approve of the fact they were killed off in mm. the show. I don't know if you've had that back in Buffy. I don't know that there was. Buffy was a really big fan of them, and I wasn't in all of it, and the bits I was in didn't have a huge amount of Tara. And I think she was in some stories, and then once she died, she just kind of wasn't in those stories anymore. Right. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, but that wasn't my bit. You were Buffy. I was Xander Spock. Oh, were you? Oh. Now I don't think I. Or maybe I did know. I don't know. Cause we never talked about Buffy because I was never a kind of. Although I'm very fanish, but I'm not fanish about it in a way that was ever interesting in fan fiction or in the fandom per se. I love the show. The show of my heart, but I was never. And also, I think I was out of. I was just out of Buffy by the time you and I met. Yeah, I think so. But in the days, yay, lot trips, yay, lot trips <laughs> represent. And there was there was another fandom that had a lot of AU. But what I was going to go um, back and yeah. say, but so I don't know if things like and I wasn't in Firefly, so I don't know if if Rosh dying. I'm betting. I bet there were lots of people who denied. I don't know actually. I don't. I don't know. Well, it depends where. Uh, it depends whether you kind of cut off at Serenity. If you watch Firefly, he didn't fight, die in Firefly. He died in Serenity. So if yeah. you choose to not go down the Serenity route, then I mean he's um, still alive at the end of Firefly. Yeah. I mean Sirius didn't. There was still a lot written about with a lot of stories with Sirius, and after he killed off, I would have said. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. so I don't think it is, it's not fair to say it's a, a completely a Coulson thing, but I think there's, Coulson gave us hope that we could, well, that's the difference, if I hard enough, they would come back. Yeah. I'm amazed they brought him back, I'm so chuffed they brought him back then. Yeah, it's fantastic, I mean, fandom one, 
how yeah. bizarre is that? And you know, having beat John Williams, how the hell did that happen? Maybe, maybe he thought having killed off everyone everyone loved for so many years, he owed us one, just one. But he realised he could get a series out of it. Yeah, well, that's true. Probably hell. Yeah, no, it's probably hell. I, th I think if that, yeah, I think if there hadn't been a reason, if there hadn't been an idea of you know, oh, we can have a thing about Coulson and his babies going doing fantastic shieldy things, then we wouldn't have got it. No. He'd just yeah. be bloody dead. But yeah, like in Team World, everyone's like, what is, no, what is fine? And, and the Hales, of course, that's a real classic, you know, the Hales didn't die in the fire. I love Hales lived there. <laughs> of course you do, honey. I love Laura Hale. I've only ever seen half her body, but like, I really <laughs> love her. I'm very attached to that half her body I saw. <laughs> Fantastic for that. And basically, it, it, can't, it kind of means you could write a story that's basically like add-on scenes, which frankly, team will desperately need. <laughs> you make oh. an AU for being like, yeah, an AU for being like, it's fine, it's in the corner. He just out, he's completely fine, we dried him off. Yeah. Like with that stuff, it, it's cool. I mean, Laura Hill, as an example, like, defringe her. Yeah. Like, people. This is a good thing to do. Well, it is a good thing to do, you know, and, and create a whole personality for someone who yeah, you know absolutely people. nothing about. Nothing about. What's, oh, what's interesting is she, I've read quite a lot of fic with Laura Hale and they're pretty consistent. And I don't know that there's like, it's like people look at Derek and go, right, Older sister, what would she be like if he is the younger brother of however many we don't know? Well, we know at least three now, but you know, Cora is so badly written. Let's do, we can't, let's, let's no, not we can't go there. Sorry, we can't go there. Can't. But Fallon is strong enough that you can, <laughs> you can actually create whole, whole characters and be fridge people, which is fucking awesome, yeah. frankly. Yeah. And it's what fandom is for. Yeah, let's do, I mean, I'm all for defridging. Frankly, I just, you know, why not? You can do it. The joy of fandom. If you don't like what the creators are doing to the canon, do what you damn well want them to do. That's what fandom is for. It's great. I feel like we had another major point to make and I can't I'm remember what it is. I'm going to go to the email and say, A's that have to be written because it's the law. That's definitely true. Oh, another one is the political AU is always interesting. There's a yeah. lot. I've read a lot of political AUs. There's, and actually, there's quite a few in Generation Kill, which is a fandom we haven't talked about, which I know you weren't in, but it's yeah. a fandom that I would I would recommend anyone on the planet to watch Generation Kill, because it's bloody fantastic. And there is some really, really, really exceptionally good fic written for it, of which the AUs that were done, a lot of them involved Nate Fic, who's, one of the, who's a real person, in real life, yeah. it's a, that's how weird fandom of like a. It's not RPS, but it kind of is RPS because yeah. the original canon is <clears throat> RPS. Basically, it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird. But anyway, but Generation Kill is fantastic. It's a fantastic miniseries, and it's great. It's got Alexander Skarsgård, who's awesome, and lots of other great people, and it's you know it's really worth seeing. And there has been some fantastic fic, very small, but almost perfectly formed little fandom. I mean, there's a great crossover, in fact. There's a Generation Kill West Wing crossover called, if I can remember the name of it, Loyal Opposition. Is Alethea, who was one of the big 
writers in Jen Kill, and she wrote a crossover which is great and I'll put the link up to that because it's really really worth reading because it's very snarky and entertaining and worth a read which and, and that's another thing as well is that I feel I've learned so much about American politics by reading bloody fan fiction because I know very little about how American politics runs you know because Inception has some really good political ones where Dom usually was running for office and there's a great one which I couldn't find the link to which I will find the link where both Dom and Mal were running on opposite teams and there's a whole that, that was a really good one as well and I felt and I felt a lot I learned a lot about primaries about nominations about how you get a nomination for vice president I mean my god I, why you know a thing I know nothing about which by the end of reading some of these stories I know more about than I expected to so it's nice to learn things fandom's a learning experience so yeah so pol the political AU is a big one I mean there's you know so yeah tropes I mean there are a lot of AU tropes which are very popular and I know what it was I want to talk about I want to talk uh, yes yes I do I can think of a good trope which I was going to bring up um, which is about restoring houses rebuilding houses renovation yes renovation I made Jack find the thing because I couldn't find it she couldn't find it I, found I couldn't it. find it I was really crap which is actually yeah. called renovations and it was called renovations yeah that's this is a um, that's a, um, an inscription again, AU, um, where Eames buys a dilapidated flat, um, big apartment with sprawling things, um, basically just to store things in. Also, he says, in Paris. Um, and he takes Arthur there randomly. I don't know why they go there the first time. Anyway, over six good, decent sized stories, they do up this apartment. So by the end of it, it's just this amazing place where they live together and they're in love. And it's, it's about them essentially building a home together, quite literally. And as someone who lives in a house that needs so much work doing to it, which is not getting done because I am a parent of small children. And um, like reading house renovation, there's loads of these in Timor as well. Quite a few in Derek rebuilds the Hale House <laughs> is a good fix. It's a big it. trope, yeah. It's a huge trope, and it's great. It's not going to happen in the show because they've moved and like they don't have that anymore. Well, no, didn't did the, did the, did the county possess it or something? There's some something that someone said. I don't know if that's Hannah <laughs> Fallon. I don't know. We no, fast I forward didn't. through it. We fast forward through it, so who knows? Yeah, I've got lost on what's Canon and Fallon. I didn't realise it was Fallon that they'd gone to New York. It wasn't Canon at all that they'd gone to New York <laughs> after, the, after the fire. I, I genuinely thought that must be in the show because everyone's saying it. Nope, Fallon. Which is cool. So yeah, so people, people actually, you know, ripping down walls and putting up tiles and putting in flooring and painting things. I don't have to do any of the work. I don't get the beautiful house at the end, but I do get the satisfaction of these people having a beautiful house yeah. at the end. And that, frankly, is delicious to me. But also... And if that does that, is a happy place. Yeah. But also, it has, it's a great trope because you get men, you know, men being butch, men taking their shirts off as a... Come on! You know, that's what it's about. So the other... So the other part of the pairing could be, ooh, they've got their shirt off. Look, they're all muscly. You know, so, you know, so it has that whole thing going on with it. Uh, it ha like you say, it has the whole kind of the building thing, which everyone loves the building thing. Because the sky's above a blue, the kind of the DJ one. Mm -hmm. He's restoring. How good. 
his, does, Derek does house restoration. And there's another one where Laura is defridged. Hurrah. So, you know, all these kind of fix. There was some in SGA as well, wasn't there? Because didn't, uh, what's the honky-tonk one? Oh, God. The honky-tonk yeah. fix that didn't, John Shepherd was, was, did ha the house restoration stuff and Rodney bought the house and he was helping him restore the house. That's another one. Yeah. That's another one. Quite a lot of doing up the house and, and maintaining the house in um, in a farm in Isle. <laughs> there is, there is. Oh, and uh, and the Nantucket Nantucket barracks as well. There's yeah. lots of that kind of stuff. It's a real it's a real thing. They go, oh, stop it! You're making the face again. You're making the face again. The chin hands. The chin hands. Oh, it's still your happy place, isn't it, honey? Um, yeah, and I think and I think I've you know like. Okay, maybe it doesn't appeal to you if you're like 22 or something, but like, you <laughs> know, like old. the older people in fact, <laughs> the people who suddenly wake up and find that they're in their mid-30s and they have a house. Or older, I'm saying nothing. Yeah, you know, or, or more than that. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, who, who, have, who suddenly have like families and like houses and they're supposed to be grown up. And they still don't feel like oh, no. it, it's kind of fixed just they're just it's nice tonic it's good yeah from a writing point of view it's, it's a good way of sort of exploring that yeah even if you do it in a slightly like oh yeah and then they put that on floor <laughs> they put that on floor i have i have used those big sanding machines so have i so that's the thing as well as a lot of these kind of you know these kind of home improvement kind of fix like you're thinking no babe no really <laughs> not that easy they always make it sound so easy There's... but thick restoration is is not like thick rebuilding your house or whatever it's not like real world and it's nice for that <clears throat> yeah. yeah. although to be it has to be said as someone who has seen extreme makeover home edition the american thing like <laughs> Yeah. They have different rules in America. You couldn't build a fucking house like that in this country. Take it from us. You really yeah. couldn't. Like, really. No. 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 Also, you wouldn't use wood. Well, some people... That's amazing. Some people... Kit do, houses. Yes, kit houses. But generally, people that build houses here, you use bricks. Yeah. That's what you use. We have... You, we live in, my, I'm looking at my little brick terrace house that I'm living in, which is and tiny. You, and you can't not walk Oh, no. No, no, no. You need planning permission for a start. You need to put RSJs in. I know what an RSJ is. That's really sad. You know, you have to spend a lot of money on steel. Yes, you do. Essentially, if you're going to knock any walls down. There are no, you cannot do the whole Tony Stark sledgehammer into the wall. No. I feel, feel like we've missed. I know. I mean, we could, I mean, yeah. There are some, I mean, there are some authors who write more AUs. Than, I mean, Prue writes a lot of AUs. You know. She writes a lot of AUs. I'm not going to, but I can easily just wreck a whole load of her stuff. Well, no, exactly, exactly. I would not be painful. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I was going to actually wreck Early Returns, which is the newspaper AU. I love Early Returns. Which is fantastic. And actually, which is great. And, you know, and it's, and it's so entertaining. That's Inception. Early Returns is Inception. It was written on the kink meme and then Dianond and as being Cruise. But newspapers is another thing, that kind of like the journalism thing. Because remember, the other AU I dragged out and thought, oh my God, was the Ronan Dex, John Shepherd, Lela Jandra, the newspaper OU that she wrote, the SGA one. K 
Come on. The publishing AU. When Ronan's the editor. <gasps> yes. Which the is the sci-fi publishing house. That's it. <gasps> which I, I haven't read for ages, but I kind of thought, because I, I was thinking about, oh, early returns is great. So there was another one, wasn't there? Whoa. And then I thought, oh my God, it was a bloody SGA one, which is a really old story, but it's a great story. starship and it's fab it's really good it's really complex and really interesting and really well done and has that thing where you know none of the original none of the characters from the actual series or the films are actually in it particularly i mean there's allusions to them yes. but it's a whole crew made up of other people from that's, white collar and it's great yeah that's like ethros demon did you read the thing where she wrote, like, Misha into, like, New Star Trek? Yes. It was like, she ended up being, like, entertainment officer or something, something like that. like that, yeah. It was, that was fucking amazing. Yeah. And it was so random. It was, it was so random that he wasn't in the SPN fundamental. Um, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. it's... It's Misha. You could see, you see, Misha really should be, if he's not already, his own fandom. And frankly, he should just be dropped into every single AU. Or other fandom. Just, just for shits and giggles. It's true. Right? With a crew. There's even a Team Wolf new track, which is another of those bloody whips, which never gets updated. And I'm going to say this publicly, and I don't particularly want to edit this out. Team Wolf has the highest number of unfinished whips of any fandom I've ever read in and it's driving me up the fucking wall. Finish your <laughs> bloody stories, people. Or just write, say you're not going to. Write at the beginning. If you're never going to touch it, just say, I'm never going to touch this. Read at your peril. And it's making me really, 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 really gun-shy about whips, which I've never been. So anyway, so yes, but, so sadly, there's a, which I was really enjoying and then, of course, it kind of stopped. And maybe there would, because some people, some writers, they do write months, months later. And the thing is, you, you don't have to finish it if you don't want to, honey. That's fine. It's just that it's really irritating as a reader when you're enjoying something and then you think, oh, you're never going to finish this, are you? <sighs> but anyway, 
So yes, where is I think Derek was the <laughs> was the Vulcan. I oh no no send me this link I, this I haven't read this and I want to read this there was a good team of SJ fic that you chucked me oh yes there was very good chip. that was good same thing yep so yeah so crossover and, and again wasn't a crossover it was you know an immersive like, yeah there's mentioning of people yeah you know you have to mention being a bit scared of McKay um, <laughs> it's not the law obviously very the different law. reasons um, but generally like it was just Some of those that got thrown in. They, they, well, of course, Dean was a Marine, of course. Of course. So, so yeah. So that's another kind of world that's really interesting. But, but new, but new Trek. There's a lot of possibility for crossover AU into New Trek, which you know, is good. It's a big enough world. It's a big enough world. It's a big, big enough world. world. Yeah, and an interesting enough world. And it's space, and people love a bit of space. Space made easy because the canon is so rich. If you go not just New Trek, if you go back to the original series and then Next Generation and all the other kind of yeah. Star Trek shows, then you've got a lot of stuff to pull out. So it takes a lot. Of, I think it takes a lot of the real kind of like hassle out of work. Well, <laughs> especially yeah, yeah. if you love the original, if you love the series, then and the films and stuff, it gives you've got a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff you can kind of delve into and use without having to make a load of shit up makes it more possible to write it for a lot of people yeah so so yeah because crossovers i love i mean I, i'm a great lover of the crossover i know a lot of people don't there are a lot of people who really don't like crossovers but if they're done well and they're in a fandom which i i like although sometimes i read stuff where it's not in a fandom i like but where it's two fandoms coming together like there's like is it in all the world beneath is that you know that was the spn sga apocalypse crossover you probably didn't read because it was apoc apocalyptic which was, I think it was Separus, and yeah. great, it's really good, and that's like a really good merging of the two worlds, so, and that worked really well as an AU, I think. I think the advantage of an AU um, over a crossover is, in an AU, um, with a crossover you kind of need to know enough about both things that you cross yeah, over. absolutely. Um, and if you don't know one of them or whatever, I mean, I certainly find that if, if I only know one half of the crossover, I need a, I need a perfectly good reason, I'm not caring, I need a um, to, you know, I need somebody to really wreck it to me and explain to me why I need to read it. Yeah. If I just read the other half, I'm like, I'm not going to get it, I'm not going to understand, I'm not going to know enough about it, whereas if it's an AU, yeah. there's going to be enough bones from the original fandom that I do know about. To hang, you know, that I can probably, I can, I can probably make my way across an, an AU. Yeah. And I'm more likely to try it because actually, you know, I might learn something about it rather than feeling that I, I'm only understanding half the shorthand, the other half. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Which is why, in a way, kind of an AU set in the world of another yeah. fandom is easier to kind of deal with in a way than yeah. if you're throwing characters in you don't know anything about and. It's, and characters who are doing things which are true to the to that side of the yeah. crossover because yeah. sometimes you're going to have to know well why, why what are the motivations if you don't know the motivations and 
then the writer doesn't have the time to give you all those motivations. It, they're expecting you to have a certain amount of knowledge of the other fandom in order to be able to get yeah. the most out of the story. Yeah. Because they don't know which characters you don't know. No, no, exactly. You know all of those characters, and part of the reason they want to play the crossover is because they want yeah. characters from this world and characters yeah. from that world, with these characters and those characters to yeah. push together and have conversations with each yeah. other and, and whatever. And they don't know which side of it you're coming from. No. Because you could be coming, because I've had that, I've read something, I've got quite interested in a fandom that way, because I've come to it from the opposite direction, where the person has been writing in a fandom and in, into the crossover, and I'm in the crossover part of it. <laughs> so I'm in the other bit, and I've read it, thought, oh, these are quite interesting, who are these people? And then gone off to read, I can't think of specific examples, but I know in the past that's happened, that I've then got kind of, oh, what's this about? And then I might not have gone into that fandom, but I have actually gone on a bit of a exploration of it as it were, you know, dipped a toe. I might have pulled my toe out pretty damn bloody sharpish, but I've actually done that bit of work on it to actually see, you know, because I've been interested. If a writer's good enough, they can actually lead you in to the other fandom, which yeah. I think does happen to people. Yeah. Oh, well, then the related thing to that would be um, when you start, which we've had an SGA and an Inception, where you start making characters in one fandom actually their characters that have turned up in previous films there's that amazing thing which i know has been written before where arthur is actually the character that joseph gordon levitt played in mysterious skin yeah and the same character yeah which i'll neil. find the link we'll put it on there neil he was called neil yeah and it's a popular story again and you should read it um Warning, but you should read it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and of course, we did that, and there was a lot of that with the sort of hooligan thing stuff in SGA, where, you know what I mean, where you took beautiful, beautiful David Hewlett, he was such an adorable young man, playing, you know, and then, like, basically make, you know, yeah. make that be an earlier version of Robin. Yeah. Well, the same with John and the FBI thing from Fort Crime. There are fixed, like hindsight is the obvious, obvious example of that. Pro yeah, totally. hindsight, where which is which is you could you could totally see that the thought crime version coming into it into that AU. If someone's got enough of a background, then those things can come in. Yeah, which takes us to you know it's part of what we were saying much earlier, which is it's part of the the, the fun journey of being in a fandom. Yeah, and you just lend themselves to that. You learn know, more and more stuff, and you know, and you don't want to be, you kind of get to the point where you kind of don't want to be hindered by, by canon anymore. Or, yeah. or more, you know. Yeah. Or someone, or someone who you're fanish about takes part in a, you know, a, a new show, new film or something, which you don't necessarily have a huge amount of interest in. Or, you know, but you watch because of them. I mean, how much stuff have we watched because of people over the years? Oh, my God. Bad stuff. And sometimes really good stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I mean... You know, is it like Tom Hardy, who I, you know, early adopter. I'm just going to throw that out there, hilariously. Early adopter. But I've watched, I mean, Tom Hardy, I've seen endless fucking stuff with Tom Hardy over the years. So when he hit Inception and was huge, it was just amazing. And it was just like really proud of him. And really, and it was just like, oh, bless your cotton socks. But we, were reading, we were reading stuff with them and writing stuff with yeah. them from from Black Hawk Down. Yeah. 
Those were the days. Oh, that was a fandom. Oh. Oh. That was a dirty fandom. That was a dirty fandom. It really was a dirty fandom. <laughs> <laughs> that was another dirty RPS fandom them, as well. Give them, yeah, give them the curse. And you can't, there are some people that even if you're not in the fandoms that they're in, there's people you're keeping an eye on. Especially when they're little and you're watching them. Like, 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 Charlie Hume, human, 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 whatever, in, in Pacific Rim. I went back and I watched Queer as Folk. Oh, it's the first episode of Queer Did as you? Folk. When he was oh. 12. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't 12, obviously. Actually, it was quite, dis- it's quite disturbing how you, like, he's supposed to be 15, which, like, it's the UK. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember how old Amy's character is supposed to be. Quite a bit older. Not, like, decades older, but he's supposed to be, Late twenties, uh, at least early thirties, surely. Late twenties, yeah. it's meant to be late twenties, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, and Charlie's character's fifteen, and he talks about in character talks about losing his virginity to his PE teacher when he was twelve. There's quite a lot of just throwing around, like yeah, yeah, I was essentially a child, but hey, whatever. But yeah, like, like as soon as I figured it was him, it was like, oh my god, I have to go back and watch. Well, I had that when I discovered him. The first Sons- episode of Queer as Folk. Yeah, well, it was funny because when I, I I don't watch Sons of Anarchy, but I remember it kind of popped up somewhere, and I thought Charlie Hume. Charlie, what? And we're, he's in Sons of Anarchy. It's like this biker. It's it's a, it's a thing about biker uh, Hell's Angels or something bikers. I don't know. Yes. Not my thing. But with like long greasy hair and like beard, I'm just like holy shit! It's the little boy from Queer as Folk. What the fuck? That vile little boy. He's a horrible character. From I was sick. He was a complete dick. Oh, he was awful. But great, a fantastic character because he was so unpleasant. You know, not afraid to be really awful. But and then so it's like, okay, so that's how we got Pacific Rim on the on the back of really Sons of Anarchy, which is quite a well thought of show in a lot of areas. So, you know. But that's kind of yeah. But you do follow Yeah, in a bait, you know, often in a kind of Tom Hardy's a classic example because he just that you know, because he's always done interesting stuff. He has always done interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And and been in stuff with a lot of different people, which is what's really funny. You know. So we've got any other wrecks that we haven't kind of. I I, I kind of want to wreck. I uh, I want to wreck. There's there's a Sherlock uh, band AU, which is Jen really, where they're all they're all in a band. I don't know this. Do you not notice it? It is. No, I noticed it. This one's amazing. It's called. uh, Oh, so maybe we're a. Maybe we're a bliss of another kind, it's called, and it's by Paperclip Bitch, who you might have heard of in other, I know I've read other stuff, which is, uh, they're a band, frankly, and Sherlock's really fucked up, and Moriarty, Jim's in the band as well, and this is hot, and it's Jen, and it's this real kind of, I don't know, I just, I just really enjoyed it, and it's one I've got up, I haven't had a chance to reread, but I kind of reread it, just just bring it back to my mind, and just thought, God, I really enjoyed this bit, it's a really great bit, and it's a totally out of left field kind of world to put them in, I mean, who on earth would think to put that bunch in a bloody band AU, and they're on tour, it's like, what's that about, you know, but it's not a kind of throwaway, it's kind of like, it's not, it's not cracky, I mean, it could be cracky, and it's actually not particularly cracky, but I think that's really worth a reason. That's a really in- that's an interesting AU idea for that fandom because that's another thing as well. It's like you know there are some AUs which you kind of expect certain fandom, and then there's other AUs which kind of think, okay, I would never have thought of putting them in that situation. And I kind of like those ones. If you can make it work, then that's always intriguing to me. If you can make an AU work that shouldn't work, and I that's one AU I wouldn't think would work 
but you can just see Sherlock is writing all this, these angsty kind of, you know, angst songs. It's very, I think, kind of Joy Division, I imagine. I imagine him as like an Ian Curtis type, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? I think in my head that's that's the kind of thing she's going for. But Although not at all like Ian Curtis, but in that kind of like doom kind of, you know, fucked in the head kind of thing. But it's really, that's well worth reading. That's one I kind of pulled out and thought I wanted to wreck. You got any we haven't gone through? Uh, yes, yes. I have, I can't remember what it's called. I will pull it up and I'll put the link oh. on. But Tom wrote, yeah, I told you I was going to do two wrecks for her. Yay! Tom, Tom wrote a mugshot in a girl's boarding school. Yes. And it's fucking great. I know I've talked about everything, but it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And they, they meet, so they're both girls and they meet in a girl's boarding school. And oh, it's a gender swap as well. Yes, yeah, gender swap as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And they meet in a girls' boarding school, so it's fucking hot and slightly angsty, and just a real like it. It feels like a, it's a proper mukshap connection. It just is, and and you're really, really rooting for them. And it ends in uh, a women's collective in a kind of like a seventies radical feminist collective. <laughs> yeah, I was there. Which is where they end up. <laughs> And it's great, but it's great because it's the world building is brilliant and, and it's so obviously female focused and, and it's femme slushy as hell, which, you know, I, I don't read the huge amount of but it was, but it was really affecting, it was really interesting and they really cared about the character. Um, and yeah, go read it, it's brilliant. I'll check the links of that. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I kind of had, you know, the... <laughs> Oh, another AU trope we didn't talk is like is like film industry or actors that kind of thing, which we haven't gone through, which is another yes. very very common trope where you make people actors. So, but one I was yes. going to pull out was one by Jism, which was a we we were once cinema gods in the night, which is an Inception AU where Arthur's a producer, Dom's a director who's fucked up big time and basically is, is basically no one will work with and Eames is an actor who never wants to work with him again yeah, and, it's and it's great and it's getting the band back together in a way getting them back to you know working together and how that happens and it's really it's a really entertaining read and really well done and it's Jism who who writes who thick I really like and yeah. yeah so I would wreck that one there's lots of others which are those type of things in Inception there's lots of there's like the writer there's another one which is like Eames is a writer and uh Arthur's the editor. There's another really great book, which is an AU where that's a that's a dynamic which is really enjoyable. I can't remember who that's by. I have to drag that one out and try and work out who that one's by. But that's quite common because there was the uh, the Team Wolf one by the same person. Oh, with, yeah. with, where Styles has written the books about werewolves, yeah. and I'm pretty sure that's the same author wrote the same thing because I think I remember her saying, "Yeah, I know I wrote it already, but you know." Yeah, I can do it again. Which is great because there's a, a writer writing the same trope in different fandoms that she moves through the fandoms, and that, I kind of like that. And why not? I think everyone, I, I think writers should do that. Writers who write AU should just write <laughs> different versions. Well, this just is shit and giggles. These are the conversations that you and I have. We have the cycling AU conversation in every single fandom, and invariably we have the escape the, the extreme thought conversation as we well. We do. Which we haven't actually had in Team Wolf, but it's coming. I don't think we've had it in Team Wolf yet. We haven't had it in Team Wolf yet. I think, you know, there was once an HP where Hermione was a skateboarder. It had, no one's done it yet, have they? Have them as skateboard dudes. 
But did you see that? Did you see the infographic? I think it's an infographic. No information. But there are more libraries in the U.S. than Starbucks, and there are more libraries in the U.S. than McDonald's. Just saying. Just saying. Laslett, would you like to give your your internet information? You will find me on Twitter at Lazulus, L-A-Z-U-L-U-S. You will find me on Tumblr under Lazulus as well. On Live Journal, I'm Lazlet, and on Dreamwitz, I'm Lazulus. But as anyone will tell you, on both Live Journal and Dreamwitz, I never posted even when everyone was posting because I'm crap. But I do tweet an awful lot, and I'm using Tumblr a lot more. And come and say hi. And rant at me about AUs and tell me I'm wrong. Go for it. <laughs> Bamper with coffee shop at no don't. Oh, no, no spamming with coffee shop. That's, that's where you send the skateboarding, maybe. Yes. I am the underscore Oscar underscore cat. And that at Dreamwit. And that at Twitter. Is that not? Yeah. Um, Are you and that at Twitter? Uh, Hmm? Have you got a Twitter under the Oscar cat? Yeah. Oh, okay. I've only ever used it to hassle the people on um, Flash Report. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, about Jeremy Clarkson's pick, would you believe? You freak. That's not good, Um. Yeah, LJ, um, yeah. And on um, Tumblr, I am the Oscar cat, all one word, just to be confusing. Do please come and say hi. Come and say whether you think we're completely left field or whether we've bored you rigid. Yeah. No, don't tell us that because that'll make us cry. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can handle it. We can handle it. We can handle it. They don't tell us that we're terrible. We might do it again. <laughs> it's fun. It is fun. I want to talk to people about Jen. I really want, or someone, someone, or if someone wants to come and talk with me about Jen, please, because I love Jen. That was the other option we thought about for this, but Katie's not really as big a... But there you go. So thanks for listening. <laughs> She's <laughs> laughing at me. Thanks for listening. Thank you to Prue and MK and the gang for allowing us to do this. That is really great of you. We really appreciate it. And we're going to sign off now so I can hear the Slash Report music. I don't know, I can't remember how Anyway, bye! Welcome to Slash Report. <laughs> Sorry, resistant. I have to be Canadian. Yes. 